Foodies Rock with Leslie Chesterman on Show 97.7. An expert's guide for what to put in your mouth and where to do it. It's 10 minutes after 7 o'clock and Leslie Chesterman is with us as she is every Wednesday. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Terry. How's the hair? Uh, the hair is the hair is doing okay. Uh, the, the hair is. A, I was the... very impressed by that video. The haircut <laughs> video, Jessica. She is yeah. my because I've been approaching my family. I live with three boys. Yeah. And, uh, well, one man and one kind of man and a yeah. boy. And I've been eyeing the hair, and I'm telling you, it's the guys who have to worry more about their hair. I think than the women because I think eventually in this house it'll be all hair. And yeah, keep saying, can I cut it? You yeah, know? yeah. Like, between they run the, away from me. Uh, between the three, the uh, three men and the dog, you've probably covered. There's hair yeah, everywhere. The dog, yeah. <laughs> the dog's the easiest of them all. The dog yeah. keeps looking at us like, when are you all leaving? Yeah, Jessica, Jessica talked me into it, and uh, and I thought she did a pretty good job. And she's also the producer and editor of the videos that I post online, so I can't take any the credit. Videos are great. Thank you. And by the way, uh, we made your pea soup on the weekend, and absolutely oh, loved and- it. Loved it. Yeah, you know, it's so funny how something like pea soup is so simple and yet so delicious. You Comforting. Know, in fact, you could even you could even leave out all of the vegetables and it's still good. You know? <laughs> yeah. And well, I, you know, I it's said, yeah. It's funny you, you mentioned that because we didn't have some of the herbs, but we made it anyway, and it was delicious. And I don't know if if pea soup is supposed to be like this, but like spaghetti sauce, it was even more delicious the next day. Absolutely. No, yeah. these things are much better the next day, like rice pudding. I know Esteban's going to put up a recipe for rice pudding on the Shum website. That's another one. And I would say a dish is like a comfort dish if you have this feeling that you want to actually get inside the dish and roll around in it. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> like rice pudding, you actually want to bathe in it. Uh, yeah. Macaroni and cheese, why not? You yeah. know? And so these are like, and comfort food is a big deal after 9-11. It's like after 9-11, yeah. there are tons of articles in the food world about, you know, comfort food. So everybody was having roast chicken and chicken soup and mac and cheese. And now it's like comfort food too. And and I just think, and especially when I see snow on the ground, yeah. it's not like I'm jumping yeah. into the salads immediately, but I think we've got to watch it a bit with the comfort food because I'm like getting into the, my next level of sweatpants. Now, yeah, well, that, that's you, that's like, the other thing. You make pea soup, you have to have a baguette. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you might want to be in a different room. Well, of yeah. course, we're all in this together, right? Yeah, so that's, that's right. Happens. Hey, listen, yeah, but, um, yeah. one of the things about, you know, a lot of people use the 9-11 comparison, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, the only sad thing is, uh, in, you know, when you compare that to this, uh, restaurants weren't closed after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I was even mentioning to a neighbor, I said, you know, this reminds me the feeling a bit of the ice storm for anybody who lived through the ice storm. Yeah. I mean, we're not that old, those of us who did, by the way. My kids, what was that, the ice storm? It's like I'm talking about there were dinosaurs walking in the streets. I'm like, go to your room and I'm going to cut your hair. But um Yes, but the, but then my neighbor said, no, but Leslie, we could all get together during the ice storm. And that is the freaky, freaky thing about this that makes it like a, a, a bad uh, movie every day. And I was reading an article on, you know, Eater, which is a great website. There's an Eater Montreal, but there's a main Eater website. And they had, an, uh, you know, I don't want to make it grim this morning, but they had an article called There Will Be No Grand Reopening of Restaurants. And I thought, OK, let's read this one for a cheerer upper. I think yeah. I was holding a cocktail when I did. Not that you need a cocktail to cheer you up, trust me. But um, and it it kind of laid out uh, very 
realistic situation of, you know, this whole idea, unless there's a vaccine, we're not going to all be side by side and rubbing shoulders in bistros anymore, which, you know, when you think about it, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, we were, you know, eight weeks ago, we were still packing into restaurants. And they kind of lay out this idea of what the restaurants will look like when they open. And this can seem far away, but I mean, in Austria, they were saying that in mid-May, they're going to open restaurants. And having been to Vienna quite a few times, I'll tell you, those are small restaurants where people really are packed in. These cafes and restaurants, I mean, I was sitting, there were more, you know, places like Europe, the restaurants are small. (coughs) Excuse me, the capacity is tight. And so I hear this and I'm like, mid-May, but... They have reasons because they have fewer infections than we do here. But the one in the States, the, this, they're talking about what's going on in the States, which is more similar to what we have here. Um, they're already even talking in the States, of course, about reopening restaurants. And there have been some interesting chefs on, on social media saying there is no way I'm ready to open my restaurant. And it's, they say it should be up to them and not up to the government. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Even when the restaurants close, some people want to stay open. Some people want to close. It should really be up to every individual. And it's not just about the customers getting ill. It's also about their staff. You know, the staff is the one are the ones who will be dealing constantly with the public. So the way they kind of laid it out in this article to give us an idea, as they said, kind of get ready for masked waiters, um, <laughs> A half opened rooms, like half capacity rooms. Um, and that is a huge issue because we can talk about restaurants because already in China, like 40 to 50 percent of restaurants are back in action. And they're talking about rooms that are half full. Now, the problem with the restaurant that's half full is the way they make their money is packing everybody in there. So will it be worthwhile for, you know, restaurants like Monarch, that great big restaurant, which must have a great big rent and great big taxes? Well, is it worth it for them to seat tables of four, you know, four meters away from each other? And then why do we want to go to restaurants when it's kind of apparently in China, a lot of the restaurants are open, but they're these massive, quiet dining rooms with tables of two and four sitting there all looking worried, you know. So this is the scenario that's a little bit unsettling. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And as a matter of fact, I spoke to a restaurateur yesterday and we were having a conversation about what reopening looks like. And I said, I would imagine, you know, uh, it's a, a full table, an empty table, a full table, an empty table. Yeah. And she agreed with me, and I said, is that sustainable? And she said, absolutely not. You know, we, we can't. Absolutely not. Yeah, we can't. We, she fact- said, we can't, run, we can't run that way. And, you know, having been in the restaurant business for 10 minutes a few years ago, yeah. I completely understand that. You, you need to have your room full almost every night. Absolutely. And they say that, of course, they could have fewer staff if they're going to have fewer people in the room, which is true, but not necessarily good if you have a staff that's waiting to be rehired. And the, you know, when we look at restaurants that aren't doing well, the first sign is that they're one third capacity. And, you know, restaurant owners want their restaurant packed. And I just I was talking to another restaurant critic last week and I was saying, remember when we all complained that the room was too noisy? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Remember what we said? The music was too loud. Remember yeah. when we complained about communal tables, you know, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's the thing is that a lot of us go out to eat, not necessarily just for food. We a lot of us go out to eat to be surrounded by people, to right. be in the heart of the action. Yeah. That's what restaurants are really all about, because if it really is just getting food, we can stick to takeout. Yeah. You know? Well, when and you a think lot of us you, are. Yeah. When you think of some of the rest, you know, like I, I, I think of Lucille's and, and the Monkland Tavern, you know. These places are are what they are because they're loud and noisy and and packed with, yes. 
you know, happy diners and great staffs and, you know, it's it's hard to imagine that they would, you know, I can't imagine all of the waiters, you know, at a place with masks and gloves on serving, you know, you sitting next to an empty table. It's a, it's a weird thing, but I wonder if people would be willing to try it to see if we can get it up and running again, kind of, you know, to prime the pump of the restaurant business. Do you think people would do it? Well, they're also talking about taking people's temperatures at the door. Yeah. And, you know, eventually yeah. if there's a quick test, what are we going to test everybody before they go into yeah. the restaurant? Um, the thing is about this is that it's kind of more dire. Like all these scenarios that are coming up, a lot of chefs, you, it, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's interesting to see because it's, it's, it's tragic in so many ways, but also to see the response of the chefs on social media has been very interesting how each of them are handling what should they be doing. And there are a lot of guidelines that are being prepared by the government, certainly in the United States. But I certainly hope they have a lot of chefs preparing those guidelines because when it comes to things like cleanliness, chefs probably know a lot more already yep. uh, about keeping things clean than a lot of people who are government institutions because chefs are so trained in cleanliness is kind of the number one uh, mantra of a good kitchen. But just to give people an idea, in this article they were saying that you know, if we're talking about a month of time that a restaurant is closed, the statistics are a 72% chance of survival. So yeah. already we're over a month. Already we're hearing about some restaurants closing. But it's when it goes further. They say four months, they're talking about 30% of the restaurants surviving. Six months, 15% of the restaurants surviving. There was a chef who said to me, I'll survive with my restaurants when I own the building. But when I have rent to pay, I can't. And it's hard to even blame the landlords because they've got to pay uh, themselves uh, rent or they've got to pay their mortgage they've got to they, they're going directly to the bank so this is you know uh, the only thing I can so I was brainstorming with this great restaurant critic the other day and I said look the only thing I can think is that a lot of them close and a chef has to be a chef I mean that's one thing about chefs is that the really great chefs have to cook you know if you see somebody yep. like Daniel Bolu uh, Daniel Ballou does a charity event. He's actually in the kitchen cooking. He's not hobnobbing with the people yep. out front. You know, yep. really great chefs. It's like it's like a religion. I hate. I mean, that sounds a little extreme, but they really have to cook. And I think if a lot of people go down, I think those people will come back. And I think experience will really matter coming back. I really feel for the people who had just opened a restaurant. I got an email from three young kids who just opened their restaurant before. Um, before this all happened, and they said, well, what can we do? And I'm thinking, the people who don't already have a reputation, I mean, in a way also they can just kind of cut their losses and hopefully open up down the road. But I think the people who are well-established, even if they go down, I think, I really do think they'll come back. And I don't want to say stronger than ever because they'll have to restock their kitchens, they'll have to find money, they'll have to find investors, and who knows how much we'll have as customers to go out to eat but I'm, I like to stay optimistic. Yeah, me too. And in the meantime, let's remind people it's National Takeout Day, and you have been a big supporter of that. Leslie, I saw your picture of the uh, the uh, takeout bags from L'Express made me, ooh, just jealous. Oh, yes. Oh, boy. Amazing. That, and I, yeah. I, when I, yeah. And when I was at the door, I, I talked to them, and I said, your prices are very fair. And they said, we're really only just getting by, but it's our, we really want to stay close to our customers. Yeah. And I found, found that really touching. And a lot of people also, they say that a lot of restaurants are doing takeout now to kind of pay the bills and yep. stay afloat. Yep. But they say if this really happens a long time, they're wondering if a lot of them will keep up the takeout. And I, I really hope they do, because I do believe it does keep a contact with the customers. Um, 
Gosh, you know, yesterday I saw Bottega's doing takeout now. There's a great restaurant called Hogan and Beaufort who are doing takeout. Bottega, by the way, is the kind of first restaurant in Montreal that was doing Napolitana-style pizza. They have got a restaurant here in Little Italy and one in Laval. You call, you order, and you can come and pick up. Pizza is a great thing to have on takeout. I know the people at Elena are doing it. Gemma is doing it. A lot of people are also going through delivery services. So there are ways that you can support restaurants by buying takeout. And we said that last week but you really yeah. do feel i mean i'm a great cook so i don't necessarily need to do that but i got stuff from ice house this week i got ribs and fried chicken and the chef nick hodge is at the counter there alone wow and with his wife packing everything up and there's a big distance between the door and him and i talked to him from afar and, yeah uh, yeah you know he's good he's a great cook and he's got a cook he's yeah. really somebody who has it in him and the food was fantastic well, it's there, like falling off the bone. You there know? you great. go. There, there's a, yeah. a great suggestion for National Takeout Day. Okay, I like that. We ended on an optimistic note, Leslie. Thank you yes. very much. Yes. Thank you. Us restaurant lovers. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Okay. Have a good week. Okay, we'll talk to you next week.